Hey everybody, welcome to Autocorrect with Mr. B. I'm Mr. B, your host, and today is episode six of the podcast. So I have been doing a lot of different things with microphones, and I've got a whole new setup that I used on the last episode that was an improvement over episodes one through four. So I'm still trying to feel my way through this stuff. I'm not a sound guy by any stretch of the imagination. I'm more of a car guy. However, we are working our way through this. I've got a friend of mine that's helping me out, Mr. Mike Montgomery, who is a legend on the radio, and he's been listening to my podcast and helping me out, and I want to go ahead and give him a big thanks for that, for helping me with my sound quality. Okay, so episode six, let me tell you, um, statistically, over 90% of podcasts out there do not have an episode seven, which means... I've got one more to go before I'm, I'm above the, the average, I suppose. Just most people don't stick with it, and most people don't feel the need to put out more than seven episodes. I don't know if they just can't find the content, but of course, with automotive technology, that is one of the big things that I deal with, and there is a lot to talk about, especially this week. So with the next podcast we're doing right now, I'm going to talk about a couple of things, and they're going to be pretty crazy because we have some electronic shows that are going on with a lot of the country. We've got CES and, you know, Cadillac just unveiled a bunch of stuff. There's a lot of other things going on that really aren't being talked about in the news. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. So my first uh, thing that I want to talk about is a big problem and it's starting to come home to roost. We are starting to get factory shutdowns from lack of of parts okay so uh and these are tiny parts these are your microchips and electrical parts and things like that and the reason why is most of this past year people have stayed home have not bought cars and instead they have bought electronics and i know i am you know part of that number so i have bought a new laptop i've bought a bunch of microphones that Apparently aren't working. And I've bought a lot of other electrical stuff. I bought another printer. And most of this is I've had to use for teaching from home. So uh, I've had to use all my office stuff here and I couldn't bring that from the school I work at. So I've had to buy my own office equipment more or less. And I've used a lot of the stimulus money and everything that we've got to make that happen. And a lot of y'all probably have too. So you know, your new iPhone, your new VCR, not a VCR, of course, this is a uh, 2020, but your new uh, flat screen TVs, you know, things like that have, have all taken over the microchips. And now there's not much left for the automotive business to use for automotive manufacturing. So I have an article here from the New York Times. And as lack of tiny parts disrupt auto factories worldwide, and so there's strong demand for gaming systems. Think about the gaming systems that came out this past year and just the demand for them. You can't even buy them. They're completely sold out right now. Uh, personal computers, other electronics, by a world stuck indoors, has sucked up supplies of semiconductors, forcing car makers around the world to scramble for the chips that become simply uh, mobility as uh, gasoline or steel. So very essential, and that's been a problem. Toyota, let's see, Toyota, Chrysler, Volkswagen, Ford have all shuttered plants lately for a couple of weeks at a time here and there because they cannot get the parts. And it makes you really 
realize how many of these parts are in these cars. There is a crazy amount of electronics that are in these vehicles and they all require some type of microchips. So if there's a limit or a run on that or these factories that make these parts have you know, changed their production lines to produce something else that's more profitable and more lucrative, then of course that's going to trickle down and cause an issue with car production. So you may end up seeing a problem with that if you're looking to buy a new car. The, you know, the selection might not be there. So uh, while the shortage is not expected to cause auto prices to rise very much, buyers may have to wait longer to get vehicles they want. So we're starting to see, you know, the, the vehicle selection. And I can tell you, even at my local dealership, I was there today. I had to take my wife's Tiguan in for a little service work, just a little annoying issue with the radio. And I was talking to people and I was talking all the way from, you know, there's about five or six car lines at this dealership that I go to. And the lot was looking a little slim. Now we're starting to see some of that, you know, with the, you always get a slowdown at the beginning of the year because first of all, everybody sold all their stuff from last year and they really pushed at the end of uh, December for a lot of sales to go down. So, and a lot of people buy at the end of the month. So it could be just me, but um, I just noticed a, a little lack of inventory and that was at, you know, five different dealerships that, that are in this one area. And uh, there's a lot of gaps where cars should have been. So I don't know if that's, you know, an issue with everywhere, but it certainly was where I live. So, but moving into this, I mean, the chip crisis is an example of how a pandemic has shaken the global economy in unexpected ways. So we couldn't really, there's still things that are shaking out from this pandemic that are really causing issues along a lot of different manufacturing sectors that are affecting our everyday lives. And this just happens to be one of them. So if you're wanting a special car or something like that, and you see one, you might want to jump on it because it might not be around there next time that you go to look at the lot, because there was a lot of cars missing from the month ago that I bought the Tiguan for my wife. There's a lot of cars that I looked at along with that Tiguan that were not there anymore. So Inventory seems to be moving quickly, and the whole dealership was buzzing with activity, which is good because we want to see, you know, I want to see people like that busy because that's going to bring, you know, it's going to float all the boats, as they say. So, yeah, so lack of tiny parts is a serious, serious problem with our manufacturing. Okay, so next. I want to talk about, and this one I, I kind of did a teaser on my Facebook about, and it seemed like a lot of people were very opinionated about this, and it's pretty polarizing because it it deals with a company that you either like or you don't. There is no, it's just like an Amazon, you know, type company that you either like or you don't. And, you know, it's like the Ford or Chevy argument or the, the Glock Colt 1911 argument, you know, people are either going to like what they like and they're going to diss what they don't. So there are rumors and a lot of rumors is coming out of this CES, the Consumer Electronics Show that they have each year. And this one was done virtually. So pretty much, you know, anybody with a pulse could have gone to this show virtually. And whenever these shows come up, you always hear rumors of 
certain manufacturers doing these this thing and that thing and you know a lot of times it's you know apple android you know what is coming out you know the new xbox playstation stuff like that but this has leaked into the automotive industry because most of our cars now are going towards almost being like an appliance you know it sits out there in the driveway and we use it to go back and forth to work so it's considered more of an electronic than it is a car and especially talking about these newer vehicles, these plug-in hybrids, plug-in cars, full electric vehicles, things like that, they are really becoming an appliance. And it kind of is sad to say, but it's just the way things are going. So Apple Car. <laughs> I know probably y'all have taken a deep breath when I said that word, Apple Car. So Apple is one of those companies you either love or you hate. Either you love your iPhone and you love your iMac or your MacBook or whatever, or you can't stand it, your Android, your Windows, you know, whatever. So Apple Car has been talked about for years since, you know, looking back to about 2008. So let me get a history on this. Uh, 2008, Steve Jobs had kind of tickled around with it and into and, and making a car and selling it as an, and like an iCar, okay? And instead, he decided to push forward with the iPhone, and now that is pretty much, you know, the iPhone is pretty much uh, a front and center of the market. Whenever the iPhone drops, you know, the new iPhone drops, everybody goes out and buys one, so on and so forth. It has a following. Even if you're not an iPhone person, you can kind of respect the hustle that Steve Jobs put into the iPhone and made it as popular as it has been so far. So when we talk, start talking about the Apple car, um, you know, Droid car does not come up in, into to play as its, as its main competitor. Of course, Tesla is its main competitor. So what we know, and this is a, an article from uh, MacRumors.com. You can check that out, MacRumors.com. So this is a website that deals with just rumors of things going on with Mac. And... This article here is by staff. They don't even put a, a name on it. It was dropped January 12th, and I picked up on it. I was doing some, some research on the CES show and things like that. So the Apple car is, first of all, this is going to get real detailed, okay? I'm going to try to get into it. So in 2014, Apple began working on Project Titan, and it had about 1,000 employees working on developing an electric vehicle at a secret location near its Cupertino headquarters. So... A lot of times when we see big developments in certain things, like we see with Tesla, Tesla is going to hire, you know, all these thousands of technicians and salesmen for their new Tesla vehicles. You, you kind of want to look and see who's getting hired, how many are getting hired. Also, you know, factories, you know, where are we opening up factories? Where are we closing factories? Where are we setting up research and development centers and so on and so forth? So, this is a lot of speculation upon the part of MacRumors.com. However, I've read it, and it seems to be making a whole lot of sense. So over the course of the last several years, internal strife, leadership issues, you know, Apple, after Steve Jobs passed away, Apple's kind of went through a couple years of some internal strife, things like that. So uh, they're starting to kind of dig out of that. And, and back then, you know, they shelved the plans for the cars. They didn't really feel like, you know, they had a good market hold to push forward with an Apple car. However, now with their other products, they're taking off, they're starting to fill in some gaps, 
Apple can really risk some things in, de in new development. And this is what this is. Apple Car is a risk, okay? It is a big risk. And you have a big competitor in Tesla going right up against Apple. So in December 2020, we learned that Apple is indeed still working on a full car. So this would be not like the Apple CarPlay that we have now that has some, you know, some type of control over certain aspects of the infotainment of the vehicle, but this would be a whole car, like a desktop or a iPhone or something like that. This would be Apple from bumper to bumper. And that is pretty crazy to think about. However, uh, the plans to release a vehicle in uh, three to six years. So that's actually not that far away once you think about it. And you'll see within the next five years, automotive manufacturing and the automotive industry in itself is going to turn itself on its head. And COVID is just kind of pushing this stuff through. However, I mean, it's been needing to change somehow. And I think this is going to be the, the kicker on it. So, you know, they're, they're, there's an Apple analyst that says they're, they're not thinking that it's not going to, it's probably going to be five to uh, seven years, uh, 2025 to 2027 before it actually launches. So, and if you follow the trail of hires, and that's people that Apple are hiring, they're making this, they're starting to snag some really interesting employees from people that are already doing this stuff. So a lot of battery technology uh, hires engineers, chemical engineers, mechanical and electrical engineers, people from Tesla. They've already snagged a few folks from Tesla, directly from Tesla. So you know if they're hiring from Tesla, they're planning to really do some competition with Tesla because you're not going to go out of your way. These people do not get paid like we do, okay? <laughs> These people get paid a lot of money, and Apple does not put their money into something they're not planning to make money with. So so in, in June 27, Apple CEO Tim Cook spoke publicly about Apple's work on autonomous driving software, confirming that the vehicles work in a rare, candid moment. So normally this is something that hasn't really been talked about lately. And they're, they really kept their, their lid on what they're doing with the Apple car, and they'll just go ahead and admit, okay, we're just not going to do anything. And really they're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And it hasn't had much attention from the automotive industry because – we don't have our eye on Apple for anything automotive. So, so in 2017, he said, we're focusing on autonomous systems. So that's systems that can pretty much think on themselves. It is a core technology that we view as very important. We sort of see it as the mother of all AI projects. It's probably one of the most difficult AI projects actually to work on. So this is coming from CEO Tim Cook on Apple's plan to make an Apple car. So, you know... You never can tell with these CEOs what they're saying, and maybe he was just trying to get the stock price tickled a little bit here or there. However, if you look deeper, since early 2017, Apple has been testing self-driving vehicles on public roads in California using several 2015 Lexus RX 450H, that's the hybrid SUV, leased from Hearst, so they're actually leasing these vehicles. Take a tip from Apple. Lease all the stuff that you're paying for. <laughs> if you have a business, you know all your equipment. You want to lease that. Even Apple does it. SUVs have been spotted on the streets of Cupertino with a host of sensors and cameras. And when you see these things, I've seen pictures of them, and they look like they have you know these huge luggage racks on them, and it looks like robot heads about every six inches on these things, and all kind of cameras and lasers and all kind of stuff and. It almost looks like one of the uh, Google cars that you see driving around. So 
And this is, you know, Apple's been working on these cars for, you know, the last decade. So it's not like it's something new. But we're starting to see, again, with the hires. And, and th this is, uh, let me see. Let's see if I can get to my paperwork here. It has the, this is a really good article too if you want to go to the MacRumors.com and look up Apple Car. It's a, it's a really good article, but it's just too long to read to you. So we've got a 2016 Steve Zadesky left the project. Let's see, he has a wide range of technologies. But also getting down to development in 2020, uh, Reuters confirmed that Apple is still working on an Apple-branded car aimed at consumers and is developing a new battery design. So this is my kicker right here. They are finding different ways about the batteries, okay? And it has the potential to radically reduce the cost of batteries, increase the vehicle's range. So right now, the biggest problem with electric car batteries are, one, they are heavy. They are heavy as crap, okay? They weigh a lot, and they make anything they're in weigh a lot. So normally, when you have a heavy car, you need more batteries. If you have more batteries, you have a heavier car, and it's just an ongoing cycle. But they're also very expensive. The lithium-ion batteries that are in these new Priuses and and volts and things like that are, you know, very, very expensive. And they are are really one of the main thing that's holding us back. And I want you to go to anywhere, go to Home Depot, Lowe's, something tomorrow, just price a regular NICAD drill and then go price a lithium ion drill. And you'll see that they're about double. And that's because of that battery. The batteries now go in drills are, you know, a hundred bucks sometimes, especially like the Milwaukee's and stuff like that. They're a hundred dollars because they hold so much power in such a little portion of the, the drill. So we're starting to see a lot of this battery technology is going to be what's going to change the car technology. And if Apple does it, then that's going to give them a one leg up over Tesla. So Apple's creating a monocell design that will bulk up the individual battery cells and free up space inside the battery pack by removing pouches and modules that hold battery materials. This will allow for more active material in a smaller package. Battery technology been described as next level and similar to the first time you saw an iPhone. So that's that's saying a lot, man. That's a lot to say. You know, the first time, you remember the first time you saw an iPhone, you know, phones didn't really have much internet. They didn't have touch screens on them, things like that. The iPhone came out and revolutionized the way that we talk on a cell phone. And whether you're an Android person or not, you're just going to have to admit that, that iPhone came out and it changed the game, okay? So if they do that with batteries like Tesla's done, with batteries. The Tesla battery design is completely changed. But the big problem with the batteries is they're a bunch of little tiny cells and they're 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 bolted together with what we call a bus bar. So there are all these little tiny cells and they're heavy. And you've got a ton of these cells and they're all wired up in series and that's what gives us the high voltage. You know, like most of our car like a Prius has 201.6 volts, I think is what the battery pack puts out fully charged. So if we can put that voltage into a smaller package, and of course, you're gonna to have to work on charging time, you're gonna to have to work on the biggest thing that people worry about is range. You know, if I'm driving from here, you know, I'm living in the southern United States, and I'm driving to, I don't know, Mississippi River, halfway across the country, how many times am I gonna to have to stop for overnight? to let my car charge up before I can get there. And then I have to do it all again coming back. 
if we can make something either a quicker way to charge or longer range, I think you're going to see way more people start to purchase electric vehicles, especially if we have any type of like Green New Deal or tax break or anything that comes out on these vehicles. There's really no reason not to purchase an electric vehicle if it is no more of an inconvenience than your gasoline vehicle. You know, if I can stop somewhere and charge my battery at the same, at least comparable time that it takes me to fill up my gas tank, then of course that's going to make sense to me. So, uh, recruitment efforts. Let's talk about this. And this is where it gets kind of funny. Apple started with a team of about 200 employees working on the Apple car, but it was said to be aiming to have more than 1,000 employees. Since early 2015, Apple has been recruiting employees from the automotive industry and other car-related fields. So, you know, if you're working as a higher upper executive at GM and you get hired by Apple, you're not going there to make an Apple phone. You're not going there to make a, a desktop. You're going there for something automotive-related. So, so some employees on Apple team have been previously working for companies like Tesla, Ford, and GM, while others have been recruited from smaller companies like A123 Systems, MIT Motorsports, Ogen, Autolive, Concept Systems, and General Dynamics. So very broad range of folks that you have working on this pro project. And a lot of it has to do, I'm sure, with, like, I'm sure they hired the General Dynamics guy for guidance for these systems, right, for the autonomous systems. So... Hires from Tesla include uh, former mechanical engineer manager David Nelson, senior powertrain test engineer John Ireland, former Tesla head recru recruiter, so they got the guy that gets the guys for Tesla. It's not a guy, though. It's actually Lauren uh, Simonera. I think that's how you pronounce her. I guess that's a her name. Who may be working to recruit additional employees for the car project and former Tesla vice president Chris Porritt who may have joined Apple just to play a key role in the development of the Apple car. So you're starting to see, you want to follow the hires and you also want to follow, you know, where, where are they setting up this stuff? They have to build this stuff somewhere. So they have a secret headquarters for this project. And this is rumors. Of course, this is just from MacRumors.com, but uh, it might be located in Sunnyvale, California, just minutes from the company's, uh, main one infinite loop campus in Cupertino. So there's a lot going on, you know, and a lot of it points towards Apple, you know, making a press for the Apple car. Would you, you know, look into an Apple car? You know, even if you're a Jordan guy, you know, Apple is, is pretty phenomenal at what they do. However, there are people that will not buy Apple anything, probably won't even eat apples out of the store because they don't like Apple products. So, and I ran into one on my, my, <laughs> my Facebook the other day, uh, my buddy Shane, who said, you know, ain't no way he doesn't like working on Apple stuff. So I don't have a feeling he's going to be a good customer for the Apple car. So also last thing, and I'm going to leave it alone. Apple registered three auto-related top-level domain names, including Apple.car, Apple.cars, and Apple.auto. Uh, while three domains could possibly uh, be related to CarPlay, it's possible that Apple saved domains for their cars. So currently, the domains are not being used by Apple and do not contain any information. However, uh, domain rights are a big deal too. So yeah, and they have the whole timeline all the way from, you know, Jeez, this goes. This is a really good article, and if you can, I'll uh, I'll link it to my Facebook page, to the Car Smarts with Mr. B Facebook page, and let y'all read it. But so yeah, Apple 
autonomous vehicle. So imagine that you just uh, you have your own Uber in your own car, right? And so that brings us to our last subject I wanted to talk about. And it's because I ran into something I didn't really understand. And I, and this was about the autonomous cars. I started reading about these autonomous cars. And now, you know, the, the main goal is to go to a vehicle that will drive itself, no human interaction as well, and get us there safely in a timely manner. You know, I can imagine driving across country and clicking into auto mode and, of course, going to sleep and then waking up at my destination. However, we are pretty far along away from that. So uh, I started reading with the upcoming trends of 2021. They're talking about these autonomous cars. We are going right now into what we call a level three autonomy. And I didn't know what the heck that meant. <laughs> I was kind of ashamed to tell you guys that I didn't know what that meant. But if I don't know what that means, that probably means that there's a lot of you out there that do not know the autonomy levels. And I didn't know there was even a thing. So um, we're, we're talking about a lot of these cars are going to level four autonomy with the manufacturers and level three to the public. So let's talk about autonomy levels for the last few minutes of the podcast. So I got this from truecaradvisor.com. It's a true car blog and I don't really see a byline here, so I guess it's just a, a, a writer for the company. So there's five levels of autonomy, and I'm going to go over each one. So level zero, let's see, I guess if it has level zero, there is six levels, right? No, five. Okay, zero, one, two, three, and four. So that would be five. All right, I'm sorry, I'm bad at counting here. All right, so level zero, no automation at all. This is your everyday car. This is your 57 Chevy, you know, no autonomy at all. Just uh, the car, if you want the car to do something, you better be ready to do it or tell the car to do it. So this is basically, probably I would say most of what, I'd say probably 80, 90% of what y'all drive, okay? However, okay. And then we have what we call level one, which is what we call driver assistance. So this is your adaptive cruise control, lane assist. So this will, you know, correct your vehicle if you get out of lane or something like that. And adaptive cruise, see, automatically apply braking in traffic if it needs to. Systems will assist drivers, but still require the driver to be in control. So uh, this is... Definitely something that just assists the drivers instead of does something for them. So you can find level one autonomy in almost all cars today, including the 2018 Toyota Corolla. So, and the Nissan Sentra, which are the two of the cheaper cars out there. And they have level one driver systems. I actually had this in my Jetta 2017 GLI. It will, you know, parking assist will, will stop the car if you're about to hit something. So pretty cool. Uh, it can be turned off, you know, but I always keep it on because sometimes in parking lots, I'm not the, the, the smartest guy there. So, all right. So level two, and this is pretty much kind of what we got now at the, at the most is uh, partial automation is what they call. So this is where it gets a, bit a little bit more interesting. The article says, although the driver must have the hands on the wheel and be ready to take control at any given moment, level two can assist in controlling speed and steering. So starting to see speed and steering. Matter of fact, I saw they had the new, what was it? It wasn't the Navigator. It was the, 
the GMC car, the big GMC, was it the Envoy? No, not the Envoy, the bigger one. Yukon, Yukon, had automatic lane change. It could change, you, you tell the car, hey, I want to change lanes somehow, and the car will change lanes for you when it's safe to. And so that would be partial automation there. So these features are a godsend for commuters. Tesla Autopilot would be your partial to automation. Volvo Pilot Assist, Audi Traffic Jam Assist, Level 2 Autonomous Capabilities. So this is about as far as we got until we're going into this year is conditional automation, which would be Level 3 automation. So Level 3 is supposed to be going into the hands of the consumer this year, and Level 4 is going into tests. So Level 3, here's where we start blurring the line between present technology and technology that's soon to come. Level three are capable of driving themselves. So, but only under ideal conditions and of course we'll have some limitations. So I'm sure limited access, divided highways at a certain speed, hands are off the wheel, drivers are still required behind the wheel. So we still have to have a person in the car. The car can't drive around itself, okay? So human driver is still required to take over should road conditions fall below ideal. Next generation 2019 Audi A8, which... I think is a, I don't know why they would have that on this article, but it's expected to be the first market level three autonomous driving system. So I don't really count anything that Audi A8 does because they're always so far ahead of everyone on everything. So we'll probably see this, you know, level three starting to get into mass marketed vehicles coming up pretty soon. So, and then we have, of course, the level four high automation Vehicles can drive themselves without human interactions, and it will be, you know, not too far away from this. So, yeah, the cars can drive themselves. I can go somewhere, and I can send my car somewhere to park. However, we're just not there yet. We're not there yet, and I think it's going to be a while before they're going to get there. But there's some legal restrictions we're going to run into, and there's some uh, definitely some liability issues. And we're going to start seeing more and more of that come into play with these vehicles being on the road because you definitely don't want to you know put a product out there that's going to be dangerous just for the sake of saying that you did it first and i think you know tesla was pretty pretty early to the table with their level two stuff and i think it kind of uh bit them in the butt sometimes however you know with the with the way that the volvo's technology has come out even subaru's technology is coming out with this self-driving stuff it's pretty interesting, and I think it's definitely going to be the wave of the future. However, I think it's going to have to be implemented on some vehicles with some higher technology, like that Apple car that we were just talking about. You know, So we're going to see what happens this year. And of course, if I hear anything, y'all will be the first to know. So I'm going to wrap this up. I've got a couple of things I have to do before I have to go to bed. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up for you guys. And definitely check out my... Uh, Facebook page, which is Car Smarts with Mr. B. And of course, my YouTube channel, Car Smarts with Mr. B, where you can get some really good do-it-yourself videos on a lot of the uh, content that I have on there. And as always, if you have a question, just shoot me a message on my Facebook page and I'll do what I can to implement it into the show. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off for today. Y'all have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time on Autocorrect with Mr. B.